Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. WGR. Uh, give me the offensive lineman for the Packers who was last introduced during pre-game introductions. Kramer. Not as incorrect. That's a good guess, Kramer, because, you know, he was on that line. So it's not Kramer, and it's not Forrest Gregg. And it's not Thurston. So there's only a couple more. Time to relax and rewind. Rick, the final Packer offensive lineman announced during pregame introductions in Super Bowl One. Howard Simon. No, it's not him. There's only one more. There is only one more. There is, that's not it. One more. It's not Kramer. It is not Bill Curry. It is not... Howard Simon. Um... No, I said it's not Forrest, damn it! It's not Forrest Gregg! It is not Kramer! It it's is the not... best of WGR. This is the garbage you give me? Zach, who's the lineman? And I'm going to say Bill Curry. No, I just said it wasn't Bill Curry, damn it! The Nightcap on WGR. Sports Radio 550. Yay! Yay! Uh, I'm just, I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed about a couple of things right now. I'm also very intrigued and excited about a couple of things as well. One thing I'm annoyed by, sometimes I'll start off the show just kind of giving you what I got on in the background in case, you know, maybe I've done this. You're looking to have something on the TV while listening to me. I've done that. I was more of a video game guy while listening to, um, listening to the station though, so... But maybe you're looking to watch a game. Rangers and Blackhawks is the NBCSN game tonight. Over the Bruins against Connor McDavid. It's a half hour difference in puck drop. You had Boston. You have McDavid and the Oilers. That's the game I want to watch. And that is why it will always to me have been, even like, you know, on draft lottery night 2015. I was not happy. I was very saddened that the Sabres did not get Connor McDavid. But that night was really devastating to the NHL. You have a night like tonight. The, the Rangers and, and, and Blackhawks. Two original six teams, quote-unquote, that will get a lot of national TV games. And neither team is that interesting at all right now. Chicago is just kind of floating in the middle, and they're not even close to a playoff spot, and they're not rebuilding. They're just kind of stuck in flux. They're not that interesting at all. And the Rangers are a similar situation. Are they trying to rebuild? Are they trying to be good? They're not good. Neither team is a threat to make the playoffs. Neither team is a threat to pick all that high. And they're just going to play tonight, and the game's not going to mean all that much. There's not that many players to, you know, Panarin's cool. Kane's cool. That's all I get. So that stinks as an NBCSN matchup. McDavid, if he had gone anywhere, almost anywhere else, especially in the East, Philadelphia, the Rangers, from a Sabres perspective, of course I didn't want him in the East. But the NHL needed this guy in the East because he's just he's never going to become the superstar that 
they were able to make Crosby into, that they were able to make Ovechkin into because he plays in Edmonton and because a night like tonight where he's playing the Boston Bruins, a marquee opponent, he can't get on national TV in the United States over two uninteresting teams. That's why I'm annoyed. Now, a couple of things I'm excited about. One of them is hockey-related. We'll get into that in a little bit. There, You might have heard it in the update there. Vincent Trocek is now the hot name, the hot commodity that the Sabres could be in on ahead of Monday's trade deadline, and I'm all about that idea. All about that idea. We'll spend plenty of time on that. But big news in football, like really big news in football. Adam Schefter reporting within the last half hour that I'll just, I'll just read the quote from Schefter. Read the tweet. NFL playoff structure is about to be changed. Under the current CBA proposal, seven teams from each conference will make the playoffs with only with only one bye per conference, sources tell ESPN. It would go into effect this upcoming season. How's that for some big news? An extra playoff team in the NFL. An extra playoff game. And also, this makes being the number one seed all that more important. You want to buy? You got to be the best. You've got to be the top team in the conference. It makes going for number one all the more important. The race for number one. And it also adds up to now 14 teams out of 32 that make the postseason. And that's more fair to me. 12 out of 32 is fine. It's not as bad as baseball to me, but I like this. I like this a lot. Seven playoff teams in each conference, even just from a Bills perspective. As someone that grew up with no playoff games and has gotten to see two in the last three years, and I know they haven't won either one, but I'd be, sign me up for more Bills playoff games. This just makes it that much more realistic they can make it. Think about this past season. The year the Bills had, when were the playoffs really ever even in doubt? Like, we got to week 8, 9, 10, and they were going to make it. Like, it would have took a collapse. It would have took some kind of collapse for them to miss the postseason. And then we got to weeks 13, 14, and, like, they barely needed to do anything to clinch. It wasn't even a real race. And that was with six. That was with only six. Imagine last year, if you add a playoff team, the Bills would have been comfortably making it the whole year. And this is why maybe I would have loved this to have been the format in the last 20 years. It kind of sucks now that it's just coming to effect while Tom Brady is on his way out in New England. But suddenly you don't the division maybe maybe this isn't maybe this isn't a good thing for the league, but it, it feels like a good thing for the Bills. It's not do or die for the division. You only really have two avenues to make the, the playoffs. You have three spots. So, six playoff teams every year, but the Bills only had three spots available to them. The division winner and the two wild cards. And every single year, throw the division out. It's gone. Don't even think about it. Tom Brady and the New England Patriots are winning the AFC East. So now let's have a conversation about the rest of it. And can I beat out, you know... 12-14, if I include the other AFC East teams, can I beat out 12 of 14 AFC East AFC teams to make the postseason? Can I do that? Because that is a tall task every single year. 
Now, an extra playoff spot. Makes total sense to me from a money-making point of view, from a fan engagement point of view, to having more games, more eyeballs, more viewers, more ads, more everything. It makes sense for everybody. Fans are going to want it. I'm sure players would not balk at the idea of a, of a greater chance to make the playoffs. What's the problem? I think this is, a, this is a perfect idea. And I'm happy to see the way Schefter words it. He words it as though it's happening. He starts it off with NFL playoff structure is about to be changed. That's not, oh, this is on the table. He actually has another tweet following that on the 17-game schedule. More details. Under the current CBA proposal that NFL owners are pushing for, the playoff field would be expanded to seven teams while the regular season would increase to 17 games per team and the preseason shortened to three games per team. Don't love that. I would love the preseason to either... I I want it gone altogether. Um, But two seemed to be what the most likely outcome would have been. I don't like this three. At least they're getting rid of one, but they need to get rid of more than that. So, here we are. Maybe we get a 17-game schedule. I'm more excited about the seventh playoff team making the postseason. Um, I'm all about that. Football already is so short. There are so few games, right? Other sports have taken advantage of the amount of games. And maybe there are too many games in hockey. And maybe there are too many games in basketball. There are certainly, no doubt, too many games in baseball. Cut that season in in a third, if you're me, but at least in half. The NFL, it's a it's a more of a grind. It's a tougher sport to play. You hear like Micah Hyde comes on our station every Monday during the season, and whenever he gets a question about Thursday night football or Monday night football, whenever he gets asked about a shortened week, he would always talk about how challenging it is. He would always talk about, like, he is a safety, which, like, he's making contact out there. He's flying around. He's hitting guys. He's involved in physical contact. It's not the most physical position, though, on the field. Like, we're not talking about a lineman. We're not talking about a running back. We're not talking about a linebacker. And Micah Hyde would always talk about how, oh, he didn't feel right after a game until Friday. Friday. Five days after a game before he finally feels good recovering from that game. That's how grueling this sport is. So I understand. You can't have a 42-game schedule. You can't have an 82-game schedule. You can't do it. But add a bye week in there. Add two bye weeks in there. I love Steve Tasker's idea that he always talks about on One Bills Live. I love it. Where his is you expand the, or at least some modification of this, The basic idea is you would expand the regular season to 18 games, but players are only allowed to play 16. I like that because it brings in a lot of strategy and it makes everything more interesting and like, oh, which games are you going to sit a guy for? Uh, Which games are you going to play the backup quarterback for? Because in that proposal, the players are still playing 16 games. So it's not more wear and tear on them, but us as fans, we get more games to watch. And now we have more things to talk about because now we're, again, we're talking about, guys, when are they going to sit What three weeks out? Should we sit them against New England? We're probably going to lose them anyway. Or should we sit them against Miami because we're probably going to beat them anyway? Like, what, what do you do strategically there? 
That's not really what's going to happen here. Although that was reported a couple months ago that they thought about it. Um, but this is cool. This is good. I like an increase in games. I do believe the players have legitimate concerns, though. For a long time, the league did not put much effort, if any, towards the health and the well-being of the players. The concussions, the you got retired retired players who like it's, it hurts to walk, guys whose bodies have broken down. I heard was it Bernie Kozar on a radio interview a couple of weeks ago talking about how he can't even throw the ball. He has to throw the ball lefty with his son in the backyard because his shoulder will be in pain for a day if he even plays catch throwing the ball. These guys take a beating. The league has gone so long not thinking about any of that. It's why there was a lawsuit. It's why there was a lawsuit against the league. It's why there was a movie made about it called Concussion with Will Smith. They are starting to make some strides for the betterment of their players. There's a concussion protocol in place. There are spotters on the sidelines that are supposed to take players off when they feel that they've made head contact and they're not coming off. Now, that needs to get way more consistent. I'm not saying that's a perfect system, but they're at least efforting towards that. They're banning of blindside blocks. We need to fix the whole Cody Ford thing. That should not be counted as a penalty that cost the Bills the season. But eliminating blindside blocks, which can just be crushing hits, and limiting the amount of kickoffs there are, which is just guys running full speed into each other at 100 miles an hour. The players have legitimate gripes. The players have legitimate concerns that need to be answered. And that's why, if, if it were up to me, and if I were, if you appointed me czar of football tomorrow, I'd, I'd want to go to 17 games. I'd even want to go to 18 games. But you've got to add more bye weeks. You've got to add more bye weeks. You've got to give them more than just one game. You got to give them more than a one game refresher. And if that means you have to expand the season over a longer point of the calendar, fine. Like, okay. We spend 12 months talking about this sport. There's only four or five months of legitimate action. That's it. The season starts in September. And what were we talking? February 1st? You don't even you don't even get really any of February. So you get September, October, November, December, January. You get five months of football. You can expand that out a little bit. That's fine. If the season now is being played over six months, if you have to start it in August, late August maybe, mid-August, and you're going to the same point in the playoffs because you're adding a bye week or two, that's, that's, that's what I would like to see. I want to see more games, but I do want to see that the league is going to answer the demands and act and actually meet the players' demands um, when it comes to rest and when it comes to their bodies and when it comes to all of that because we, we want to see the best players in the field. We do. Last year, watching all these backup quarterbacks, like, it kind of sucked. I want to see Ben Roethlisberger on the field. I want to see, you know, did anybody else get hurt that was, I guess, uh, like a, a big-time quarterback last year? A couple years ago, Deshaun Watson got hurt. He's box office. Mahomes got hurt at one point last season. Cam Newton missed the entire year. 
These are guys you want to see play football. And you don't want to see them missing half the season because they're just worn down. That's, how Cam, that's where Cam Newton's at, by the way. Just worn down. So, I like it. 17-game schedule on the table. That seems like more you know on the table necessarily than it's going to happen. But Adam Schefter, his tweets suggest that the playoff structure is going to change. Seven playoff teams as opposed to six. I'm all about it. I love it. And maybe it means more playoff games for the Bills in the future. Um, it at least obviously increases their odds of making it every year. So that's cool. It's a cool thing. All right. 803-0550 is the phone number. That'll probably do it for the time that we spent on football. Maybe we'll uh, loop back around to it in the second hour. But we've got some NHL trade deadline action that could be happening. The Sabres have been inactive basically all season. Jason Bottrell's had a very interesting season in that there hasn't been a lot of action. But you've constantly had reports from guys like Darren Dreger and guys like Dave Pagnota this morning that continually say that, oh, he's trying. He's trying. He's trying to make a deal. He wants a top six forward. Bottrell said it in maybe October that he was looking to acquire a forward. It's been a long time waiting for that trade. And the deadline is Monday. And to this point, it seemed like nothing was going to happen. Some of the teams that you would have thought made sense to trade with, like Winnipeg and like Vegas, who came up on the weekend as a possible trade or as a rumored trade partner, those teams addressed their defensive needs. Vegas sent two second-round picks to L.A. for Alec Martinez today. And Winnipeg sent a third-round pick to Ottawa yesterday for Dylan DeMello. Maybe they're not the top type of defenseman that those teams were looking for, but they did add to their blue lines, and it seems to me that it's less likely they would be looking for that wrist in for a top-six forward type of swap. That's the deal Bottrell wants, right? That's the deal that Dave Pagnota is tweeting about today that Bottrell is looking for. Of course he's looking for that. Of course he is. But Florida, enter the Florida Panthers and enter Vincent Trocek. I'm all about it. We'll talk about that when we come back. If you've got thoughts on the deadline, if you've got thoughts on Vincent Trocek, who I, I'm, I'm, I'm all about it. Like It's one of my favorite ideas that I've heard for the team maybe even floated as a possibility for the Sabres in a long time. I love this idea. We'll talk about that when we return. We'll transition uh, fully into hockey here on the nightcap. 803-0550 is the phone number. Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez. 
Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. You know, for example, trying to get in on Matt Dumbo or on Rasmus Ristolainen, you need some parts. You need cap space and you need big parts. And, and I don't know right now if yeah, I'm not saying it's Listen, it's not impossible. I mean, the Leafs are obviously making those calls, but but I think Florida is a complete wild card ahead of Monday. You know, as I reported on Inside Trading last night, they're you know they're listening on their number two center on Vincent Trocheck. Again, doesn't mean they'll move him, but they are listening. And, and and there's six or seven teams that are in there. I'm told trying on Vincent Trocheck, uh, Buffalo among them. All right, I'm in. Vincent Trocheck, I love this idea. I, I am in love with this idea. I want to buy this idea chocolate for Valentine's Day and flower. I am love it. Vincent Trocheck. All right. And actually, before I even get into that, interesting little clip there. That's Pierre LeBron, by the way, of TSN. TSN 1050 in Toronto earlier today. He said on Insider Trading, as he mentioned last night, that Florida has been getting calls on Vincent Trocek. But before we talked about that, he mentions Ristolainen in Toronto. And that is, it's a, it's a pairing that we've mentioned once in a while. But my stopping point on that is always, there's no way the Leafs, of all teams, they maybe have divulged themselves and they have jumped headfirst into analytics more than any team in the league. And Ristolainen is not the analytics darling. Ristolainen's the guy that you sit back and you're having a beer and you're eating a slice of pizza and you're watching the Sabres and Ristolainen's cross-checking a guy in the corner and he's tackling a guy to the ice and he's ripping a slap shot as hard as you can as you can see and he's battling in front of the net on the power play and he's playing tough, and he's getting into it after plays, and people are always upset with him and annoyed with him. He's like hard to play against. He's in your face. That's that's the type of person Ristolainen fits with. The, the fans, you know, a lot of fans. But Toronto's not that. Kyle Dubas, that organization, they look at things from an analytical point of view. They're very smart in how they go about their blue line with the resources that they have. They don't have a lot of resources, and that's why I've always thought signing John Tavares was not going to come without consequence, and it has. They cannot put together a very good blue line with the amount of money that they have available to do it. They've tried. Tyson Berry, Jake Muzzin, they've acquired some guys, but Toronto hasn't been able to do it. Ristolainen just does not fit them at all. He just doesn't. He's having a better season. He is. And he's having a better season possession-wise. His shot metrics look better. But they're still not good. Still not great. It's not It's not what you would look at a top pair defenseman being. And of course that is affected by the fact that he still does get the tougher matchups. Um, I, I, my stopping point is always I just can't see Dubas ever getting to Oh, I need Rasmus for Stalinen. I just think he's too bright. I think he would want him, but I don't think he would pay what Jason Bottrell is going to want for him. I don't think he's giving you Willie Nylander. 
I don't think he's giving you, obviously, Mitch Marner. Maybe you're getting Kasperi Kapanen or Andres, or Andres Janssen, but I think you should want more than that. So Toronto just never fit with me. But if they're calling, and if they're looking, if they're that desperate for a right-shot defenseman, maybe they could be taken advantage of. Maybe they could. That's not the interesting part of that little clip there, though. Again, all about this Vincent Trocek idea. All about it. I don't know if Florida would actually trade him. LeBron kind of says it here, like they're taking calls. They're not shopping him. Maybe they wouldn't do it. Probably take a lot. But they're taking calls. They're looking for moves that will help them in the future. He said yesterday on TSN, not in that clip, that Florida has not been getting the production from their blue line that they've been looking for, and that's where they want to upgrade. Perfect. Perfect. I'd like to not have to give Brandon Montour. I'd like to not have to give up a first-round pick. But I'm almost at a point where do whatever it takes to get this guy. Trocek is the perfect fit for what they're looking for. You lost O'Reilly. You traded him away. All right. Got to live with it. This is where we are. He's not O'Reilly, but I don't think you'll find a closer replacement to Ryan O'Reilly that you can trade for. And I haven't seen one traded since O'Reilly was moved that's as close to the role that he plays than Vincent Trocek. He is a great two-way centerman. He's only 26 years old, right in the prime of his career. He is lightning fast. He's a little bit undersized, but again, a good. he's good in his own end. He's one of the better penalty killers in the league among players that puts up the point production that he does. Which, by the way, between 50 and 70 po- 75 points, roughly, he had one breakout year in 2018, actually the last full season that he played. If you start this year and work your way backwards, he's got good point production. Like It's not just like he's... You know, he's not a two-way center that doesn't score a lot. He just, you know, he's defensive. He he puts up points. 33 points this year in 52 games. 34 points last year in 55 games. 75 points in 2018 in 82 games. 54 points in 82 games the year before that. 53 points in 76 games the year before that. That's his basically his career. So... He's most of the time, he's till you're talking between 50 and 55 points. But he might have a year or two in there where he has 75, like he has already. This is a good player. This is a very good player. It's the exact player they've been missing all season. You want to know what's going to get Jeff Skinner going if you're not going to play him with Jack Eichel? A trade like this. That contract, that player needs a center like this. And you haven't supplied him with it. You can't tell me Jeff Skinner signed up, signed that eight-year contract to play with Vladimir Subotka, Johan Larson, and Zemgis Girgensons. That, that's not why he signed up to play here. He signed up to play here to play with Jack Eichel. Because last year, He spent a season on Jack Eichel's left wing, and he set a career benchmark in goals with 40. That's why he came here. And even if you don't want to give him that, you got to give him a good secondary option, or he's just not going to be the player that you paid for. He'll be the player he was in Carolina. He'll average around 30 goals, and he'll have years where he barely gets to 20, and he'll maybe have a year where he gets to 35, 36, 37. 
That'll be Jeff Skinner for you. If you want that consistency, because of the type of player he is, he doesn't necessarily always generate his own offense. He's very good, in fact, maybe elite, at playing off of his center. He buries rebounds. He gets open. He uses his body and his skating to kind of get a little creative with spacing. But who's creating that space for him? There's nobody doing it right now. Trocek would absolutely do that. He can generate his own offense. He can create. He is a good playmaker. That year we had 75 points, 44 assists. It's a good mark. And again, I don't think he's as good as Ryan O'Reilly. But I just don't I don't think you're going to find a guy as good as Ryan O'Reilly. I hope that he's available and obviously, I'm not surprised hearing that from Pierre LeBrun that six or seven teams are interested. One of them's Buffalo. Of course one of them's Buffalo. Of course one of them is Jason Bottrell. If Jason Jason Bottrell if he heard through the grapevine at any point that, oh, Florida's taking calls on Vincent Trocek, he is as fast as possible. He's either texting or calling Dale Talon, however the however these GMs are doing it these days. I mean, I don't know. I think that this is an almost flawless idea. The only stopping point I would think about it is, is Florida being unrealistic with their asking price because if they're not shopping him then it might be a situation where they think oh we don't have to trade him so if we're not going to get crazy value we're not going to do it if it's that type of thing that's going on then maybe there's no point in talking about this but if the Panthers really do want to upgrade their blue line and they have some good defensemen but that second pair needs work they have a lot what Florida is right now is they have a lot of defensemen but they really only have two that are good like, Yandel's a very good offensive defenseman. Ekblad's a great all-around defenseman. And the rest of them are, like, third-pair guys. I could totally see them wanting a Ristolainen. And that's a GM I think you could take advantage of. More so than Toronto. That's why I like that idea. Florida's done some nice things, but I feel like you can take advantage of them. They're a team that seems to be a little slow to get to what proper value is in the league. I would like to, I would like to see that deal get made a lot. Whether it's Ristolainen, again, if, if it took Montour, I'm not going to snicker at it. I'm not going to. I'm not going to think that you shouldn't do that. I love Montour as a player. I think that, like last night, he was the best player on the ice. I think if you go forward with Dalene, Yoki Haru, Montour, and Pilot as your top four defensemen, I think you have a solid you have a solid blue line. But. If getting this guy, if getting this 55 to 60 point centerman who plays in all situations and will do a better job replacing O'Reilly's role than anyone else you can get, then I think you have to do it. And I think it, I think it makes you instantly a better team. Instantly. Part of me wants to think this team is very far off, but... I don't know if it is. I think they're two they're two important players away and some solid supporting role players. So really they're more than two players away, but they're really only two important players away from being a good team. I've talked about this a bunch, but like they've got the hard stuff, right? They have the number one center. They have a lot. 
they actually have a lot to work with, which maybe is what makes this season even more frustrating because it feels like they've got the core in place. They've got the number one center in Eichel. They've got three top six wingers in Reinhardt, Olofsson, and Skinner. I believe they've got two top pair defensemen for the future in Darlene and Yoki Haru. So what are you missing? You're missing the number two center. This would be that. And you're missing the goaltender. And if I told you my preference of what teams should do roster build-wise, goaltender should be the last thing you get to. And you can figure that out after the fact. Second line center is obviously their top priority. And if you can fill it by flipping one of those defensemen, if that's what Florida's interested in, go for it. Be aggressive. If you're giving up more value than you think that you should be, maybe you still got to do it. Tim Murray blew through his young assets at a rapid rate and went way too far with it, I think. But there was a reason that guy got things done. And again, maybe he got too many things done. He probably did. In fact, he probably did. He definitely did. But why did he get things done? He was willing to overpay to get the best player in the trade. Just flat out, he was. You know, the Evander Kane trade, looking back, is not that great a trade, but why was he the one? Why was Murray the one that got it? Kane was on the trade market for years in Winnipeg. Why did Murray finally get it done? Because he just decided, you know what? I need this guy, and if it means I'm trading one more prospect than I want, if it means I'm trading one more draft pick than I want, one more piece than I want, and I, maybe I'm taking Bogosian's contract and I didn't want to do that. Fine, because I need this player. I need this player. And I think Bottrell has to have a little bit of that Murray mindset while being more responsible, I would want to say. Murray did it like five times. We just need one of those types of trades, don't we? Don't we need like one trade where you look at it and think, oh, maybe that's a little more than I wanted to pay, but I did get this guy. I got this guy. So, all right. That's almost like that that killer instinct. Like, I don't know. The Sabres don't have a lot of prospects for this, so it's tough. It was obviously way easier for Murray to do stuff like that because he walked in to an organization that had all the assets in the world. Really from him tanking and deciding to sell everything. But they had loads and loads of draft picks. They had three first-round picks when they traded for Kane. They had a ton of prospects, ton of prospects. So he had a lot more to work with, and I understand that. It makes it harder for Bottrell, because Bottrell's dealing with what right now. Like, if you're going to trade, if someone wants, if Florida's asking price today for Trocheck is a top four defenseman and a good prospect. Okay, I'm Bottrell, I'm looking around, all right, what am I going to come to the table with? Because other teams are going to have that package. What am I coming to the table with? The top four defenseman, all right. Let's put in Ristolainen for now for that. If they want Montour, then we'll cross that road when we get there. If they want, you know, Colin Miller and a better prospect, we'll cross that road too. But I'm going in with Ristolainen. Who's the prospect I'm picking? Who is it? Because Middlestad is kind of too good for this, I think. You're not trading Ristolainen and Middlestad for Vincent Trocheck. I love Trocheck, but that's like crazy value. So not doing that. You're not doing Dylan Cousins. And is there any other guy in your organization that you could think maybe has that type of value? I don't know if there is. 
I don't know if that guy exists in this organization. They're not that deep when it comes to prospects. And that will make it harder. And then, the whole thing about the first round pick. I think what's maybe getting lost every time I or anybody at the station or anybody on on Twitter, especially Sabres Twitter, brings up when talking about the trade deadline. Like, oh, they could do an, uh, I want them to do a trade like they did last year with Brandon Montour. A guy that has term left at a position of need. He's young. Yeah, it's kind of a buyer's move, but really the move is pointed to make me good in the future. And over the, on the long haul. Well, last year when you traded for Brandon Montour, you had one thing that you don't have right now. You had someone else's first round pick. You were able to ship a first round pick for that player without it being a top 10 pick. You had, was it San Jose's? They had San Jose's and St. Louis. I forget which one goes for Montour. I think it was uh, San Jose's. You traded that pick. They don't have that pick right now. If Florida wants a first-round pick, do you want to do that? Do you want to do that? Because you're going to be in the lottery. And you're probably going to be picking in the top 10 again. Depending on how they finish the season here. And even I would tell you, I love this Trocheck idea. But given what their prospect pool is, I'd be incredibly hesitant to deal a first-round pick that's that high. It's almost never a good idea to do that. Almost. So, what am I coming to the table with? Risk aligning and what? That's going to be the tough part for Jason Bottrell. It's not an easy job, and maybe that's why if this guy does get traded, if Vincent Trocek does get traded, maybe the, it will be tough for the Sabres to be that team. Maybe Pilot gets it done. I don't know. Maybe Asplund would be a good enough prospect for them. Maybe Asplund would be a good enough prospect for him. Maybe that's the, the, the right name here. Does Ristolainen, Asplund, in a second-round pick get me Vincent Trocek? I feel like it should. I feel like it should, off the top of my head. But I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what the, the, the price point would be for him. It should be high. Because not only is this guy a great player, and one thing I didn't mention about Trocek, not only, I, I did mention his age, he's only 26, but the contract... The contract is great. It's almost, it's darn near perfect for a guy you want to bring in right now. After this year, he's got two more years at $4.75 million. You're getting uh, a guy who's going to give you at least 50 points. He might give you as many as 75. He's going to be your top penalty killer. He's going to be one of your better faceoff men. He's going to be maybe your best two-way center. He's going to do a lot of things for you. And you're getting him for under $5 bucks. How about that? So it's going to cost a lot, but love this idea. Love this idea. This is the best second-line center option I've heard that's realistic since O'Reilly got dealt. So there's that. 803-0550 is the phone number. If you want to talk deadline, if you want to talk Trocheck, if you want to talk anything about the Sabres right now, we'll keep going with this hockey thing. Uh, Ristolainen and uh, Toronto. Maybe I'll dive into that a little bit more here. Because I don't want to scoff at that as an idea. Completely. Toronto's desperate. They're not playing well. At all. And if they miss the playoffs, maybe Dubas is out there. I don't know what happens in Toronto. The coach already got scapegoated. Something big will happen there if they miss the playoffs. And I think they're going to miss the playoffs. I think Florida's a better team. So, um, maybe we'll talk about Toronto a little bit here. After the break. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase. Thanks for listening here on WGR. 
One name that's been quite intriguing in terms of being out there is Vincent Trocek. Let me be clear in saying I don't believe the Panthers are going around phoning teams about Vincent Trocek. But what is happening, and sources have confirmed, is that teams are phoning on the number two center for the Florida Panthers. And the Panthers don't really have any choice but to at least listen because they are struggling so badly defensively that they could use a top four upgrade defensively. Maybe that's the deal they would do. He's got two more years on his contract at $4.75 million. Certainly not very likely that he moves, but they are listening. That's a second clip on Vincent Trocek from Pierre Lebrun, the Florida Panthers center. Not Pierre Lebrun, Trocek. I don't think all due respect to Pierre Lebrun. I don't know if uh, him being the second line center for Florida would work out all that well for them. Um, yeah, told you I love this idea. Someone just asked me on Twitter, actually, what would be, uh, Aaron asked me on Twitter, what would be an ideal trade in my mind for Trocek? And the first thing that came to my mind, and it's hard to guess with this kind of stuff because there's what I might think Ristolainen is worth. There's what Botrell might think Ristolainen's worth. There's what the league thinks Ristolainen should be worth. And every GM, that's going to be different. Especially with a guy like that that is so polarizing. And it's really, like Ristolainen is one of the toughest players to figure out how good he is that I've ever seen. There are so many skills on display. And there are offensive results. There is production there. And there are big minutes. But he gets run over in his own end. Not physically. But the puck is always, always in the Sabres' own end when he's on the ice. And part of me, of course, with all of that factored in, Anybody could have a different idea of what he's worth. So, my guess, my best guess, kind of com- averaging all of that out, what I think he's worth, what Botro might think he's worth, and what he's looking for, what Florida might think he's worth. I went with Ristolainen, Asplund, and a second-round pick for Vincent Trocek. I-, I think Trocek should be worth more than Rasmus Ristolainen. I do. I think he should be worth a lot more. Now... Asplund in a second is not a lot more. But it's three pieces. It's a player that fills a need that Florida is looking for. It's a a mid-level prospect. What are we talking? Like a B-minus level prospect is Rasmus Asplund. Like he's going to be an NHL player. He might not be more than a bottom six center. In fact, I would probably guess he's not more than a bottom six center, but I guess the jury's out on that, of course. Um, He hasn't really played in the league that much. So you've got that guy. Who, by the way, full circle, they got him in the first place with the trade with Florida. And then a second-round pick, which, is again, it's not worth all that much, but it's not a mid-level, it's not a mid-round pick. It's at least, you know, something tangible. And knowing when the Sabres are places in the standings is, you know, a high second-round pick if that matters. Three pieces for that guy. I, I think that maybe gets it done. Maybe. I don't know. Again, it's tough to tell, but that that's what I th- I'm going to throw out there. Ristolainen and Asplund in a second um, is an idea for what it might cost to get Vincent Trocek. The uh, other thing I wanted to talk about in the segment was Toronto. Didn't get a lot of time to do that. Um, they're just they're they're kind of imploding. They're blue line. They just can't stop anybody. They remind me of the Sabers of three years ago, just a better version. They have great forwards. 
Toronto has elite forwards. The Sabres at that time had O'Reilly and Eichel and Reinhardt and Kane. and they, they had scores everywhere. And they weren't like an elite offensive team, but they were a pretty good offensive team. Like Kane was scoring 30 goals. O'Reilly was putting up 60, 70 points. Oposo made an all-star game. He had a good season playing with O'Reilly. Eichel was not what he is now, but he was a he was a great young player at the time. Reinhardt was producing. What was the problem? The Sabres did not have defensemen that could get the puck in the first place, and once they had it, they couldn't get it up to the forwards. Josh Georges couldn't pass. Cody Franzen couldn't skate. Jake McCabe, not a great passer. Zach Bogosian, not a great passer. They had a bunch of those guys. And that's kind of what Toronto is. Toronto's got great forwards, and they've got no one to get it up to them. So, I'm not sure they're going to make the playoffs. I would predict they don't. I think Florida would make the playoffs over them. Um, I guess barring, we'll see what happens with Trocek, because that might change things for me. He's a good player. Very good player. But uh, Toronto, like they're in trouble, and I, I won't discount them as much as I was. I didn't think about them at all when thinking about a wrist alignment trade because I just kind of thought they were too smart to pay a second-line center or a top-six f- uh, winger for him. But if they're getting this desperate and Kyle Dubas starting to feel some pressure, maybe his job might be on the line, I could maybe see him doing that. But we'll see. 803 is the phone number. We'll get into football when we come back. The NFL free agency period is closing in, and the Bills got the third-most cap space in the league, and there's all of this quarterback drama. Brady and Rivers and Dalton and Mariota and Winston and there's stuff on Cam Newton today. There's there's a ton of stuff going on with quarterbacks in the league. Bridgewater and Taysom Hill even. Like what's going to happen with the former Saint quarterbacks? Maybe they, one of them goes back to New Orleans. Probably Taysom Hill. Um, there's a lot of that stuff. Greg Rosenthal, NFL.com, one of my favorites, was on with One Bills Live earlier today. That'll be our interview of the day when we return here on the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase on WGR. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. I grew up like most kids, worried I couldn't bench two plates, that I wouldn't fit in, that I wouldn't find love. Then I discovered partying, and suddenly all those worries went to the wayside. I didn't need love. I had keg stands. I discovered I was great at raging, and it revealed wonderful things about myself. I could relate to bros, regardless of what kind of bro they were. I could be at a party, and moon people, and everyone would laugh, you know, be witty. Or... I could play beer pong and compete with real integrity. In short, I fulfilled my potential. The Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. Welcome back to The Nightcap. Joe DiBiase here on WGR. A lot of hockey in the first hour. Vincent Trocek, the Leafs, and the Sabres, of course, wrapped into all of it. With the deadline just five days away. We did talk some football in the first hour as well. There is a proposal on the table by the NFL to the NFLPA that will introduce a 17-game schedule. And that just, again, Schefter, Adam Schefter reporting that that's just something that's on the table right now. Schefter is reporting, though, something that looks like it will happen. That's the way he's sounding. That's the way he kind of worded it. Is that this upcoming season there will be a seventh playoff team added to the mix. So you'll have only one first round bye in each conference. You'll have three wild card games on each day. So six wild card games in total. More football. Love that. And a better chance for the Bills to make the playoffs each season, which will make the playoff race more fun. Um, more teams in it. And that, of course, includes the Bills. So all good stuff. 
There's a lot of other stuff happening in the NFL, though, too. Free agency's on the way. We're about a month away, maybe even less at this point. forgot the exact date in March, but uh, we're about a month away from free agency. The Bills have a lot of cap space, so there's a lot of options on the table there. You've got a lot of quarterback stuff happening in the league. Taysom Hill has been the subject of some conversations the past couple of days in the league, um, whether he'll stay in New Orleans, kind of split time with Drew Brees, kind of the way he has the past couple of seasons, whether maybe another team wants to take a flyer on him as a starting quarterback. I don't know. Maybe I thought about New England adding Taysom Hill if Brady leaves. Like I don't know. That just seems like a an egotistical type of Belichick move. Like, oh, Brady, you're going to leave? I'm going to take this this special teams guy, who the guy who plays blocks punts, he doesn't play place in quarterback, but he blocks punts. He's caught six touchdown passes. He's going to be my quarterback now. So we're going to see what happens there. Maybe that's something that happens. I don't know. There's a lot that could happen. Rivers, Brissett, Winston, Newton. There's Josh Rosen stuff today. A lot of it. So for all of that, Greg Rosenthal, NFL.com, one of my favorites around the NFL podcast, one of my favorites as well. He joined One Bills Live earlier today for pretty much all that. So here he is, our interview of the day, Greg Rosenthal with One Bills Live host of the Around the NFL podcast. Happy to have Greg Rosenthal on the line with us. Greg, good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. Steve Tasker, John Murphy up here in Buffalo. Thanks for coming on. Good to talk to you guys. What's going on? Hey, you wrote an interesting thing. Uh, well, several. Everything you write is great. Let me start with that. But one thing that got my attention, one thing every team in the conference can do to help to try to dethrone the Kansas City Chiefs. Can you tell us what that is for the Buffalo Bills? Geez, I wrote that so long ago, I barely remember. But I believe uh, it was about, you know, supporting and doing everything possible to make Josh Allen comfortable. That, you know, you don't need to convince yourself that he's suddenly going to take over games by himself. But if they could add uh, a free agent class, even close to the, the one they did a year ago when they added Mitch Morse and, and Cole Beasley. Uh, and John Brown, of course, if you added a couple more weapons around him, then I think you suddenly have a group where Josh Allen can be a big part of a of a improving, explosive offense. You know you trust in that defense and that really just putting all the pieces and increasing the talent base around Josh Allen uh, gives them a shot. One observation we've made, Greg, is that the Bills have come a long way in the last three years under Brandon Bean and Sean, Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, where you know two years ago they made the playoffs, kind of backed into the playoffs, got some help. Last year they kind of, even despite being 6-10, and 10, kind of got their roster together defensively, got their quarterback, got him a lot of reps, and then this year they took a step forward 10-6. and six. What? And we discussed about how different it is now for the Bills to maintain and take maybe a smaller step forward to getting to be championship caliber rather than just playoff caliber, that uh, it's a much different job for this front office mm-hmm. and, than it has been in the past. It, it has, but to uh, Brandon Bean and, and Sean McDermott's credit, they have that nucleus on both sides of the ball, really, especially on defense. Uh, and they have a ton of cap space, and they have flexibility. And Bean, for the most part, uh, has made really good moves since, since he's been there. So you, you trust in them to be aggressive. And, Steve, I think you know you know it's great to, to make progress and make incremental growth, but you, you never know. And every year is so different in the NFL that – when you've got a young nucleus like this and, and some good young players on, on both sides, like now is their time. I mean, I, I think they are thinking, you know, yeah, yeah, Super Bowl seems, seems far away if you're a Bills fan, but I, I think the Bills front office is thinking, let's contend this year. There, there's no more building. Let's let's win this division. Let's get a home game in the playoffs. 
and I think March is going to be huge for that because they have so much flexibility and, and the pieces that they add need to, need to fit in with what they've been doing. Yeah, I agree with you, Greg. We did a show a couple of days ago here about which team in the Bills division has the most to do this offseason. They all got stuff to do. But I think the Bills situation is maybe more critical than most because they are mm. on the right, in the right, headed in the right direction. And they can make, uh, if they make the right couple of moves and get a little bit lucky, they can contend for a championship, right? I think so. I mean, I need to see the offense be a consistently better than average offense, and I haven't seen that yet. And so I think that's the number one thing. I I always believe um, that offense is more reliable, that it's, uh, more uh, critical week to week, and, and it's gonna, and it's really hard to win a Super Bowl. It's happened, but it's really hard to win three or four playoff games without you know a, a much better than average offense. So that's to me going to be their focus because they have such great coaching and young players on defense. They'll certainly be adding some players, but but they love the uh, the nucleus they have in the secondary and, and certainly a linebacker. Uh, I'm sure they'll look for some uh, defensive linemen. But yeah, you look at New England and. I think they have even more to do this offseason. If you look at the free agents that they have, they have an incredible amount of free agents, even if you ignore the quarterback position, where, where their roster is really in as much flux as I think uh, we've seen since about 2010. I've been following this Patriots team a long time. Yeah, give us an idea, too, is about this Bills and what you, this Bills roster, as well as the Patriots roster, about guys who. Uh, is there anybody of these free agents uh, on either team? that you think, okay, besides maybe Tom Brady, that you're going to say, okay, they could franchise tag that guy and it'd be a smart move. Is there any of those guys? No, not on these two teams. Um, I, I don't think the Patriots, for instance, will, will give a tag to Joe Tooney, who is a very talented guard. He's probably going to get paid an incredible amount of money. Devin McCourty is a key player for them that, that they'll want to keep, but I don't think they'll use the tag on them in, in the Bills. Uh, it, it's a good year for them because I, I don't think they're losing. They're not going to be losing much in free agency. I know you have, you have Jordan Phillips. You have some other decisions to make. But overall, compared to most teams, they really have uh, great continuity, and they can be aggressive. And I, and I really expect them to be one of the more aggressive teams in free agency. And they quietly were last year. You know, what didn't make huge headlines, but not many uh, teams out there uh, got more quality players out of free agency than the Bills did. Greg Rosenthal, our guest. He is NFL.com's Around the NFL editor. I want to take you back to what we started with, the one thing each AFC team can do to dethrone the Chiefs, the Super Bowl champions. And just a, a question for you, Greg. Why is it, and I think I know the answer, but why is it that we look at the Chiefs as a dynasty in waiting? They've won one. <laughs> they could win another one. But I, I think they're almost given too much credit for the Super Bowls they haven't won yet. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm with you. I, I think that when you get to the Super Bowl, you want to capitalize so bad because you, you just never know if you're going to get back there. Other than the Patriots, the history, uh, you know, is not too kind to teams getting back and back. I think right. the difference, you know, with the Chiefs is, though, you know, it's, it, it's a relatively forgiving division right now. And with that quarterback and that coach, you're going to have a great chance to win your division every year and have a home game in the playoffs. And to me, that's kind of all your you're hoping for out of the regular season. I mean, even, even the Patriots, I mean, they've gotten so many buys over the years, but you know, if you can be one of those teams that, that gets to 11 and 12 wins, you got a shot and they'll, they, they have a better chance than just about anyone to be one of those. teams. I know. And let me just say, and not to refute you, but if the <laughs> dolphins don't go to new England and knock off the Patriots in week 17, the, the uh, chiefs are playing 
uh, are not getting the buy-in, and they do have to yep. play an extra game. So I just don't think it's – I don't think they're, they establish themselves as the team to beat until further notice in the, in the conference. Yeah, I, I, I hear you, and, and I do think you're right, and it, it gets to the point that you often need a lot of luck uh, yeah. in, in right. some, some breaks to go your way, and the 49ers did too, winning that, uh, that Week 17 game against Seattle by, by a yard or so. Who knows? Yep. You might have seen – Seattle in the Super Bowl, uh, you never know. But with, with Mahomes, they're the rare team that you can almost pencil them in for 10 wins, which is just there's not many teams like that. You, you really think that they that they would have – a lot of things would have to go wrong for them to, to not okay. be a winning team. Okay. With Greg Rosendahl, NFL.com, around the NFL editor, uh, we are, what, six days away from the beginning of tag time in the NFL franchise and transition tags can be applied. That's changed over the last couple of years, hasn't it, Greg? There's not as much emphasis on that for, for most teams now as there was maybe four or five years ago. Yeah, I, I think that's because teams are doing a better job getting uh, deals done ahead of time. But this year is going to be different, and uh, this is a really unique year. I think there's more top-shelf uh, free agent names available than usual, and the, the rules are a little different in 2020 because it's the last year of this uh, collective bargaining agreement, and teams can use a franchise tag and a transition tag. So that is new. That's never happened before, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to really affect things in Dallas, in Tennessee, uh, in Tampa, those are three teams that, that all have two pretty big stars that they want to keep uh, with, with uh, the Cowboys, you know, being Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott, the Bucks being Shaq Barrett and, and Jameis Winston, the Titans being Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill. So they're going to have to make some choices of which tag they use for what player, whether they can get deals done ahead of time in the next couple weeks. Yeah, I was going to ask you as well about what your thoughts are on the quarterbacks that are out there that that weren't going to get franchised. We saw Drew Brees going back to New England, to uh, New Orleans. Uh, you've got some other Teddy Bridgewater now is a big question mark there. Does he want to stick around uh, and play backup fiddle for one more year, knowing that at some point he's going to cash in, or does he go out and try and make his own way? Uh, Philip Rivers is still hanging out there. Andy Dalton is on the trade block. It's been a long time since we've had quarterbacks with this much proven production available uh how do you think it's going to play out absolutely and of course tom brady's in that mix i think he's going to be trying to figure out his market and and what he wants to do before even before he gets to free agency it's fascinating cam newton is is the one name you didn't mention that really intrigues me too and i think uh from everything we're hearing at nfl network he is going to be available for a trade so there's there's a couple teams out there i think the chargers are, are probably the number one team of what are they going to do? And, and I think they could be interested uh, in a guy like Cam Newton if they can't get Tom Brady. It, it's funny seeing these reports out there for Brady. I ultimately don't think he's going to go anywhere. Uh, but I do think Philip Rivers uh, would make sense in a couple of these spots, including Indianapolis, uh, where his old coach, uh, your old buddy Frank Reich, is, is right. coaching the Colts. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Hey, Greg, I, I saw this tweet that you had. Uh, not interested in any basis quarterback speculation except came to the Chargers. What What are you saying there? That's the only one that uh, is is a basis in fact. Is that what you mean? Is that what you mean? I, what I What I meant there is I just think that would be fun. You know, okay. I like watching, it would be fun. Uh, yeah. I, entertaining football. I like this Chargers team. I live in L.A. Uh, you know, my my kids are young and and they kind of like watching the local teams. And uh, I just think like that would be. This is a team. I I feel bad for Chargers fans. They don't have a lot 
going on right now, the ones that they have left. And, uh, man, Cam to the Chargers would add some juice to their team. What about Brady to the Chargers? No chance? <laughs> that that would add juice, too. And, and there are many reports that there is a significant interest. I, look, I, I've watched him a long time. I don't want to see him at 43 years old playing behind one of the worst offensive lines <laughs> in the league. And, and right. Phillip Rivers had to do it for years and years. It, just, it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, you know, Maybe it's would lifestyle-wise for him. He spends a lot of time out here, but football-wise, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Okay. What are, what are your thoughts on uh, whether the CBA gets done? Or do you think they're going to – I know that they're down to, like, the uh, the funding rule is maybe the last hurdle that they have to get over. They've they've kind of fixed the 17-game schedule. They're, they're probably going to flex Monday night football games as a result of all this of labor piece. Uh, how do you think this is all going to shake out? And are the regular guys like you, me, John, are we going to be able to tell a difference? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Well, we'll be able to tell the difference with flexing Monday night games, and we'll, all, we'll have to work a couple extra weeks a season right. uh, with this 17 game because I, I think they might add a bye week, too. Uh, would not surprise me in terms of uh, thinking about player safety, maybe give every team an extra bye week, so that would mean the season's two weeks longer. Uh, I'm optimistic that it's going to get done because that's what everyone's reporting. Uh, I've been skeptical this whole time that they can do it because we've seen and I and I worked through the last work stoppage. Uh, that usually it's not as simple as all the optimistic takes uh, are telling you. But right now, it really seems like both sides are pretty confident it's going to get done. Hey, Greg, uh, Greg Rosenthal, our guest, NFL.com's Around the NFL editor. You've written a piece about uh, cut candidates, I guess, salary cap casualties, and you've got, a, I think, a fairly prominent Buffalo Bill on there. You think Trent Murphy might wind up on the chopping block in the next week or two, huh? Yeah, I, he's someone, uh, one of the few signings uh you know since sean mcdermott's been there that that hasn't worked out and man he's just making a big time salary and and hasn't had that production and i think if you look at the other you know free agents they have shaq lawson or jordan phillips or or really a a very deep free agent crop of of pass rushers that's probably the deepest position in free agency i think bean is just going to look at that as as money not necessarily well spent because he's got such a big cap figure. I, the only thing about that, and I, again, I'm not disagreeing with you because I can see that too, but think about free agency. You always, virtually always, overpay if you really want a player. If you're yep. filling a hole, you'll, you'll overpay to get him. And, and the Bills did that with Trent Murphy a couple years ago. Yeah, and look, you guys have a, a great feel on it. it. It's more looking at the types of guys uh, that'll be out there, whether it's uh, – Adante Fowler, Arik Armstead, you know, Jason Pierre-Paul, Quentin Jefferson, just younger, healthier, more durable candidates. And, and Bean, Bean seems like a guy, and look, they don't necessarily need the cap space so they could keep Murphy, uh, but I, I think they're going to really want to add to their pass rusher uh, position in general this offseason, and that would open up a spot. How deep is the free agent market in edge rushers, defensive ends? I mean, is there going to be some guys that are going to be cut from other teams for the same reason Trent Murphy is cut from the Buffalo Bills. And I would think if they want to keep playing, they'd be willing to take a, maybe at least a slight salary cut for another team to keep stay in the league. Yeah, I think that's easily the deepest position in free agency. I mean, you got some great guys at the top, Jadevian Clowney. Um, you know, I think Yannick Ngakwe and Shaq Barrett might get their franchise tag. But, you know, it, it goes probably 10, 15 players deep of guys that actually are going to be playing quality snaps 
uh, next season and, and some younger players too. So I do think if there's any single position in free agency where teams uh, need some help, uh, it matches up pretty well with the Bills' needs there because I, I think it's uh, the edge rusher position. Live on the line with Greg Rosenthal of NFL.com. The news of the day, Greg, Drew Brees, or I guess the last two days, returning to the Saints next season. I told Steve earlier today, my sense is, and I'm not convinced of this, the, the Super Bowl championship window may have already closed on the New Orleans mm-hmm. Saints. What do you think? History would tell you you're right because it's tough to get back every year. But they have, you know, and they, and they have a lot of free agency uh, questions to answer, especially on defense. But I don't know. You know, I, I think they're probably the, the one team other than, you know, the Patriots, um, maybe the Chiefs that, that have been a top five team the last two years. I mean, these are two of the best teams Sean Payton's ever had. They, they haven't gotten it done in the playoffs. Uh, but I think they got a shot. You know, I, I think they, they are in the mix because that offense uh, still has such great young talent in terms of Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas and the offensive line that, that they'll, they'll, they'll have a shot. And this is, it feels kind of like a last stand for them. One more, one more try with, with Drew Brees. Yeah. Hey, the last thing I got for you, getting you back to the Buffalo Bills uh, for a second, Greg, back to your analysis of teams that could dethrone the Chiefs or what they have to do to dethrone the Chiefs. In the middle of your analysis, you write that uh, uh, about Josh Allen. they got to help make Josh Allen's life easier. And you refer to offensive coordinator Brian Dayball as an underrated play caller. Now, look, I don't yeah. disagree with you at all. And Steve does. I don't think Steve would either. But there's a segment of our audience who would disagree and say, underrated? Oh. He's a terrible play caller. Uh, why do you consider him underrated? <laughs> I think what he uh, brings to the table on a week to week basis was pretty tough for defenses um, to deal with. I think even going back two years, the overall offensive talent and personnel and some of the limitations Josh Allen had certainly as a rookie, I think he's done a pretty good job with, with what he has. And I, I think if you talk to defensive coaches and they had to prepare for them, they, they were not an easy team. I, I don't think that was the most talented offense in the league, and I think they did pretty well with what they had, and they need to keep raising that talent and, and, and take advantage of Josh Allen. With your permission, Greg, I'd like to save that answer and use it when somebody calls up and complains about play calling, if that's all right. <laughs> well, you know, they have they have something in common with about 28, 29 <laughs> right. other fans. Everybody's right, exactly. got issues with that. About the play calling. Yeah, exactly. that's right. I got a, one last thing. I'll just give you on one more general question. You got Teddy Bridgewater, Andy Dalton, uh, Taysom Hill, I mean, all those guys. What do you think – where's Teddy Bridgewater? What's he going to do? Where would be – I know the, the obvious landing spots for him are places like Tampa Bay, Indianapolis, even New England if Tom Brady does leave. Yep. Um, L.A. Chargers have got to find somebody. I think when you look at the list of, like, Cam Newton, Andy Dalton, Phillip Rivers, Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater may be the most attractive of the bunch because of his age. Well, I think he's the safest. You know, you know who he reminds me of, and, and I, I remember saying this four or five years ago when he was healthy, was that, as Alex Smith, uh, a really good decision maker. He finds the open receivers. He's probably not going to get you overly excited. He's a little more mobile than you really think he is. Um, he's, he's an, I would say, like a mid-level starting quarterback, which has a ton of value. I mean, the Titans, I think, were a great example of, hey, you, give, you, you put a starting quarterback in there, your team get a lot better. Uh, Tampa's the, the one I'm keeping an eye on because I, I think the relationship there with Jameis Winston is is a little worse maybe than, than people think from the outside. You think 30 interceptions had something to do with that, I would think? <laughs> that and Bruce Arians, uh, you know, basically saying uh, he was, like, sick of it. Oh, yeah. awful yeah. in the last couple weeks of the season. Yep. Hey, Greg, yep. thanks for this. Great stuff. Thanks for coming on with Appreciate us today. Appreciate you, Greg. 
Great talking to you guys. There is Greg Rosenthal with One Bills Live with Murph and Tasker earlier today. Winston maybe is the most... What, what do I want here? Not overblown of all these guys that could become available. I really think he stays in Tampa Bay. I do. I think that the the Buccaneers, and I'm taking from this report that came out a couple of weeks ago on who they're interested in, there was a list of, like, it's all the quarterbacks. It's Brady, it's Breeze, it's Tannehill, it's Bridgewater, like, all everyone that's available, Tampa's going to be interested in. Well, why would they be putting that out there? Especially the ones that are unrealistic. You're not getting Drew Brees. But why is that in the report? Because Tampa wants Winston to think. And Peter King actually also talked about how Winston is asking for way more money than Tampa thinks he's worth. So what's happening? Winston is maybe asking for $30 million a year. The Buccaneers are saying, you're not worth that. Go see if you can find a starting job. Because we're not sure you can. We're going to go grab an upgrade. And if all else fails, you can come back here for fifteen million bucks. I think it's just a game. I think the Tampa's trying to bring Winston back on lesser money. I think Winston will maybe realize that there is not a starting job out there for him. Like, where's he gonna go? Where? Are the Raiders gonna move on from Derek Carr for Winston? They might do it for Brady, but are they doing that for Winston? Is Chicago gonna stop the Trubisky thing for Winston? No. Carolina? Maybe Carolina, maybe Jacksonville, but even like they've got a situation on their hands. How big an upgrade is that? The Chargers, are they going to go from Rivers, who threw a bunch of picks, to Winston, who threw even more? I just don't see a landing spot for Winston. I think he's the Buccaneers quarterback next year, to be honest. 803-0550 is the phone number. Maybe we'll get back into hockey a little bit. I'm loving this Vincent Trocheck idea. Uh, I've got a bunch of responses on Twitter to my potential trade. And uh, if you missed that, I'll tell you what that is when we return as we continue. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Well, you have to wonder, is there going to be teams trying to figure out whether Montreal is going to move Ilya Kovalchuk? He's the one scoring asset that people want to think about, whether it's worth it for the short term. Corey Crawford, the goalie in Chicago, is one of those guys that if you think your goaltending is suspect and there's a couple of teams that are on the outside looking in that might want to improve their goaltending, Carolina being one of those that might look at Corey Crawford. So those two are players that I think that are out there that people are going to start wondering about. The biggest issue right now is that there are so many teams that think they're still in. Do they want to be buyers or do they want to be sellers? John Shannon of Sportsnet. We're going to hear more from him in just a second on players that could be moved like Ilya Kovalchuk and Corey Crawford. Corey Crawford on the move. Chicago, man. just It's all over. It's all over. And they still think they can win. Watching them right now on NBCSN. Duncan Keith still running around out there, skating around. Jonathan Taze, one of the more overpaid players in the league, if you ask me. Um, it's just Patrick Kane. It's just Patrick Kane and Alex Debrinkit. They are in cap jail for a while. That's the price of doing business, right? The Kings are going through the same thing right now. You win a cup, you pay all the guys that won it for you, and eventually the check's going to come. And those teams have reached that point. Love to get to a point where the Sabres are stuck in cap jail because they paid a bunch of guys that won the Stanley Cup for them. Love to get there. 
So I'm not going to criticize him too much for it. 803-0550 is the phone number. A lot of stuff going on in the deadline right now, at least talk-wise. Sabres have not made a move. In fact, yesterday was kind of a... It went from... We had a couple of bright moments, right? 2000s night was great. Even if it was just for the video introing before the game. And even the Galasano uh, ceremony I thought was cool. Um, that night, wearing the white jerseys, the 2000s night, Briere, Dumont, Campbell, all these guys in the building. You beat Columbus in overtime on a beautiful goal. Victor Olofsson's first game back. You're feeling pretty good. Then the Leafs come to town. And the building is full of Toronto fans. And you just run them over. 5-2. to two, You controlled most of the game. You were the better team for maybe 50 of the 60 minutes. You win 5-2. Awesome. Great feeling, right? Now you're only 8 points back. You're going into yesterday. And for someone like me that hadn't taken, taken the fact that they could... Or the... the chance that they could get back in the playoff race seriously yesterday I was I was allowing myself to be open to it hey, if they win tonight and and Toronto loses all right now I'm six points back I've got a game in hand I've got two games coming up before the deadline I'm not completely close to the idea yet and what happened yesterday before the game even starts, the trade that we've been waiting for all season, moving a defenseman off the team doesn't happen, and four around the league did. Martinez to LA, or I'm sorry, Martinez to Vegas, Brendan Dillon to Washington, Dillon DeMello to Winnipeg, and Marco Scandella to St. Louis for a second and a fourth. And what a bad look that is. I, I don't, I'm not going to criticize Botro for making that move when he did. I think he had to. What did he do at the time? He took Scandella, who was an overpaid depth defenseman, and he flipped him for an overpaid depth forward. Fine. We'd prefer a move at the top where you're going defenseman for forward, but they needed to do something like that too. So I'm not going to go get crazy over that. But it is a bad look. When you traded a guy for a fourth-round pick, and six weeks later, he got traded for a fourth and a second. Montreal got the fourth back, although it's conditional, and they'll get a second, too. That's, that sucks. It's not a good look. It's just not. All these defensemen got dealt, and you've had all these defensemen all season. You couldn't find a partner? You couldn't find a dance partner? Because trades are getting made. They are. And the Sabres just never seem to be even close to being a part of that. Maybe they are, but we don't hear about it. Um, other than just they're, they're trying. But trying is obviously not enough at this point because deals aren't getting done. And then you go into Ottawa, and everything's still on the table for you to be six points back. Toronto's getting run over. There was a point yesterday, I was in for Brian Koziel, so I was keeping track of the NHL scoreboard and the Sabre game. And there was a point where the Sabres are up 2 nothing, and Pittsburgh goes up 5 nothing. On Toronto. Perfect. And if at that point you told me, with Toronto about to lose, and you're up 2-0 against Ottawa, going on a power play, that should have been a penalty shot, by the way, on Johansson, but going on the power play, if you told me at that moment you're going to lose this game 7-4, <laughs> I mean, 
come on with that. And they did. They lost 7-4 to Ottawa. Have they scored seven goals all season? What a bad job that is. And to me, I'm not thinking about it anymore. I'm not thinking about the playoffs at all. I was hardly doing it already. But that was just, there's a, you know, I understand all the gifts that we saw from Jason Bottrell. I would like, I liked to see that emotion because he should be frustrated. He should be slamming papers when you let up seven to Ottawa. He should have that reaction. So it was good to see a little life in him. Good job on uh, TSN. They have that GM cam. I think it's a good good idea. Other broadcasts should do it too. All right, more on the deadline. John Shannon of Sportsnet with Howard and Jeremy from yesterday. John Shannon, NHL insider, who we bring up for uh, we bring on for trade deadlines. You can fill in some blank. Hi, John. By the way, how are you? Nice to talk to you again. Hello, boys. How are you? Good. Can you fill in some of the blanks on this? <laughs> no, I I can't believe people from Buffalo are complaining about getting in and out of the stadium. <laughs> We don't. Hey, this is why you stay. You go early before the football game. You go stay late after the football game. You don't. You don't deal. I take the train to the hockey games. I don't deal with traffic. Uh, you know, I I, uh, I do think that they did try to alleviate it early. I don't think there's any explanation of what happens after a game. Uh, why would it, I mean? We talked about the hockey game. Why would it be any different for an Air Force football game? I mean, let's face it. Yeah. The forty-three or forty-four thousand that would go to a regular Air Force football game, if they got that many, hmm. would have the same problems, I would assume. Yeah. Hey, uh, so we wanted to talk some hockey rumors with you. What are the what are the hot names out there, John? Who what are you hearing as we get closer to Monday's deadline? Well, I'll tell you what they're 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 falling like big trees right now. When you think Tyler Coley was one of those names hot on the list, and he goes last night to Vancouver. Uh, in a in a deal that uh, the Canucks are trying to make sure they get to the playoffs, let alone uh, win a playoff game, uh, he goes uh, from the from the Kings. They gave up a ransom. They gave up lots of uh, uh, lots of assets, a, a pick, a prospect, and uh, a player. Um, but what you have to wonder is there's going to be teams trying to figure out whether Montreal uh, is going to move Ilya Kovalchuk. He's the one scoring asset that people want to think about whether it's worth it for the uh, for the short term. Corey Crawford, the goalie in Chicago, is one of those guys that if you think your goaltending is suspect, and there's a couple of teams that are on the uh, on the outside looking in that might want to improve their goaltending. Carolina being one of those that might look at Corey Crawford. So those two are players that I think that are out there that people are going to start wondering about. The, the biggest issue right now is that there are so many teams that think they're still in it. Do they want to be buyers or do they want to be sellers? Yeah. And that's, yeah, you'd think there'd maybe be a little more clarity as we get this close uh, to the deadline. We're actually, we're wondering about what Jason Bottrell's doing. Like, what is he, does he think they can still, you know, make a run at third place? Is he, is he buying? Is he moving his rentals? He's got a handful of UFAs, you know, VC, Sherry, Froelich, uh, Larson, Gergensons. Maybe you get something for these guys. I wonder what his approach is going to be. Well, and let's face it, the only way they're getting in is that they get third. They're not going to get in as a wild card because the Metropolitan's got so many more points. So uh, the only way that they're going to get in is if they do try to get closer to the Maple Leafs or, or, and Leapfrog Florida, who won last night. Uh, I mean, I think Florida is one of those teams that's got the, some of the same issues. Uh, Dale Talon has, uh, is not very pleased right now the way his team has played. They thought they would be better. And there's a couple of players on that team, too, like uh, Vincent Trocek, 
uh, who's a centerman who can be a real difference maker for a team. What what do the Panthers do with him if you know by the end of this week or think by the end of this week you're not going to make the playoffs? Uh, you know, I, I, I think that Jason's probably got a, a couple of decisions to be made by the end of the week, and I, I agree with you. I think Connor Sherry and, and Michael Froelich, who supposed to come over and be one of those guys to give you the last push, that hasn't worked. It hasn't happened with Froelich, so he is certainly an asset at this point of the year that could be on the move again for the Sabres. For teams that are looking for defensemen, uh, Vegas is looking, Winnipeg was looking, guys like Ristolainen, who's got term, um, Miller I think has term left, Montour's an RFA. Would those guys have value around the league if Boucher wanted to move one of his defensemen? You forgot Zach Bogosian. So no one's trading for Bogosian, right, John? I don't so. They could have had him for nothing on the weekend. On the waiver. That's um, why I figured, yeah, why would they give up something for him? Uh, unless it's a, unless it becomes a cash cap issue, and you, you're not going to trade for somebody with a contract that size. Okay. Uh, if you if you know you have to get rid of somebody else, I know darn well that Darren Ferris's agent is trying to find a way to get him out of out of uh, Rochester slash Buffalo or wherever he is uh, on the turnpike between right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from that perspective, I think that uh, he he's not going to be a very even though he thinks he is, he's not going to be a very tradable uh, product at this point. Uh, I would think that it's going to be the same name if you're talking about a Sabre defenseman that has some value. It's going to be versus the line, and he's, he's, he's been in this discussion many times before. It's not going to change now. Yeah, John Shannon uh, with us on our Wester hotline. Um, what about Winnipeg? Winnipeg still looking for a, def- a defenseman? No, but they have, you know, they have a color. You know, it's an injury issue there. Um, and, and I and I don't see Winnipeg doing very much as they have a built-in experience. Why the Dustin Bufflin thing fell apart, um, and uh, I, I think that they're still on the on the slow build. I don't think that Kevin Chevaldeoff this time around, who has done radical things the last two deadlines to try to get in, I don't think he'll be doing anything radical at this point to get to get in. Operate if he can't get in as one of those wild cards in the West. What about teams like San Jose? Well, New Jersey's already made moves. Will New Jersey keep selling? And what about San Jose? Well, the big question with San Jose is if they can actually try to move Joe Thornton, if Joe Thornton wants to move. Marlowe doesn't have much value in my mind uh, simply because he's been available to teams uh, since he left Toronto uh, you know, a few months back. Uh, but the, the real question in San Jose is does Joe Thornton want to go and have one last kick at the can to win a Stanley Cup, uh, and can he be a difference maker? He's uh, he, he's at the end of his contract. You never know if he wants to come back. Um, he probably does if he can play in San Jose. But can Thornton be a difference maker? And, and there's a lot of people out there that the the guy who's 41 years old can be a difference maker for a team. Are the Leafs going to trade for a defenseman, or are they just will this be a matter of waiting for them to get healthy back there? Yeah, I think Morgan Riley's a lot closer than uh, people realize. Uh, I don't just think that they're going to do anything on the blue line. If anything else, they've they've, they've had so many injuries up front. Uh, Andreas Johansson now is injured again, uh, and uh, so he he's going to be a a problem for them. And I would think that if the, if uh, Kyle Dubas is going to do anything, it's probably go and try to get another forward. Hmm. All right, John. Well, enjoy the uh, the deadline fun, and uh, always nice to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on with us this morning. Good, good talking to you, boys. Hey, Howard, say hello to Jeff for me, will you? Will do. Yeah, I, I'll send you regards. Thanks, John. I appreciate it.
There he is, Howard and Jeremy's visit with John Shannon from yesterday. When we come back, we'll wrap things up on this deadline conversation we've had so far. Interesting thing that's actually happening, speaking of a lot of, talked a lot about Vincent Trocek today. His right winger for tonight is so interesting on the second line. Um, So maybe he would welcome a move. Maybe. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase. Last call after this on WGR. to Wilder, he got me with two of the best punches I've ever seen thrown in a 12-round heavyweight fight. And as we've seen, it's been very, very famous. The, uh, the old knockdown of the Gypsy King. But the thing that Wilder must be thinking is, I hit that guy with my best two punches I can ever throw in round 12, and he got up. What have I got to do to keep him down? So, if you've listened to me at all, you probably know that I'm a big, big, big boxing fan. Tyson Fury there. He's going up against Deontay Wilder in their rematch this Saturday. If you are a big boxing fan, you already know about that coming up. If you're not, if you're looking for a big fight, I would recommend it because the last one was incredible. Wilder knocking Fury down in the 12th round when he was way behind on the scorecards. Hardest hitting puncher since Tyson in the sport. And Fury got up. Fury got up. It's still incredible to me that Fury got up. And Saturday will be super interesting. Knockout artist versus technical assassin, if I may put it that way. Um, so, yeah, that'll be cool. Maybe I'll talk a little bit more about that tomorrow night. Don't like to talk a ton of boxing um, on the show because I know it's... I, I make fun of baseball a lot for being a dying sport, and I'm fully aware that uh, boxing is, you know kind of on the same lines anyways that's gonna do it for me tonight so thanks everybody for tuning in nascar not nascar like pit reporters is on the way next so stay tuned for that i'll be back with you tomorrow um for the nightcap from seven to nine still filling in for brian Coziel on saturday so you hear from me then as well but i'll uh, talk to you tomorrow this has been the nightcap with joe dibiase here on wgr Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.